So hello, my name is Christian Fischer and I'm still a landscape respectively environmental planner, landscape ecologist and nature protectionist. And I also study the sociological systems theory developed by Niklas Luhmann and I'm exploring systems theory concepts here to find out to what extent they are applicable within the framework of environmental planning and nature protection, by the way. And I did this talk before and the microphone was all jumbled, scrambled, whatever. It sounded horrible and I hope it sounds better now. I have a different microphone now and I'm going to re-upload this um, episode. So today we finally arrive where I actually wanted to go in the first place, namely the implications of systems theory concepts for nature protection. But don't worry, we will still be fairly theoretical about it, at least for the first half of this talk, but in a hopefully more accessible way, especially if you listen to the first two podcasts, because that is the basis of, of what we need to understand this here. There are the core concepts in the first two podcasts that I talked about, and I repeated myself over and over again but I repeated myself, especially in the second one, second podcast, because it's really crucial to understand these concepts. And we're building on them with this third podcast here. So in the beginning, first half of it, fairly theoretical, as I said, hopefully more accessible and in a way that allows us finally to derive real practical implications for nature protection. So just to remind you, for an observation, that is the operationality of the system, actually that is the system, the system is observation in action, so to speak, we need differences to be actualized. It's all about the differences that's, that make a distinction. And these differences in systems theory respectively these distinctions, they are the code of the system. If we change the code, we change the system. I think of systems theory like you would think, I think of systems theory like you would think about computer science and coding, for example. Just that we don't write the code for an app, we actually fiddle around with the code of the psychosocial system of consciousness respectively society. And I would say that's way cooler than programming a boring app. Ha! <laughs> so, and here we go. We take a difference which form of the form, and the form of the form basically is the theorem for what you could also call the metastructure. So the form of the form of a difference is the metastructure, and we take a difference which form of the form is equivalent to the form of the form of a difference we already know, namely system and environment of the system. And again, the environment of the system is whatever system is not. So basically the unobserved, unmarked, we could also say, unfunctionalized space of the system. I repeat that over and over because it's really, really crucial to understand this. So we want to find similar differences, like the one of system and environment of the system. 
I would say culture is a system, right? And what is not culture, I think that's nature. So the difference we play with today is culture and nature. And therefore, we look at the form of the form, the metastructure of this difference. And what do we find if we do that? Four points. I understand culture as functionalized nature. That would make nature the unmarked or unfunctional space of culture. And also nature the necessary precondition of culture, therefore making culture an emergence out of nature. And that might sound as if I'm just announcing these points to be true, as if I would just make it up and proclaim that this is the case. But it's not that simple. What I actually did is to look at the metastructure, the so-called form of the form, of these differences. And by realizing its similarity and even equivalences to the main difference of the whole theory, namely the difference of system and environment of the system, all I actually did was to point at them and say, hey, look, did you notice subsystems are deductions of the main system? That's all I do. That's all it is, deduction. And again, we try to find a similar difference, like the that super, super meta, meta, meta difference of the whole systems theory, namely what is, what is system itself. System is the difference of system and environment of the system. And then we said, what is system? Okay, that's culture, for example. It could be culture as a subsystem. And what is the other side? What is not culture? That's nature. And then we derive these four, um, yeah, form of the form points, so to speak. Culture is unfunctionalized nature. Nature is the unmarked or unfunctional space of culture. Nature is the necessary precondition of culture. And culture, an emergence out of nature. And now let's try to be a little more practical with it. When we look at nature from a utilitarian perspective, most people would agree that nature is unfunctional. And its unfunctionality is something we all enjoy. And since we are all enjoying it, guess what? It is super functional in its unfunctionality. So the unfunctionality of nature is, from this utilitarian perspective at least, observed as something functional. And it sounds a little odd, <laughs> for holistic thinkers at least. But I do not deny that, that utilitarian perspective. This is the utilitarian perspective, and I'm not trying to negate this. I actually understand it, and to some extent I also agree with this perspective. I would just say that's not the whole picture. There is another theorem that applies here the so-called unity of the difference. When we talk about system as observance, whatever we observe is system, then even if we observe the environment of the system, and that's basically whatever is not system, whatever is not observance, if we observe that, 
Well, if we observe whatever is not observance, guess what? We are observing, of course. So the point of this theorem of the unity of the difference just says that we can't get out of the system. You know? The unity of the difference of system and environment of the system is system. If we observe the unobservable, well, then we, we are still observing. Even if what we observe is marked as the unobservable. But the important point here is that whatever we observe cannot be the unobservable because if it was, we couldn't observe it. Sounds horrible, but makes a lot of sense if you listen to it again and or just look it up. It's it's really it's it's an established old school form of systems theory. So no wild spin of my own here. That's just the, the unity of the difference. Believe it or not, but that's right. Just think about we can't if if we observe something, we are observing. And if what we observe is marked as the unobservable well, then it's not really the unobservable because whatever it is, it's just, we call it the unobservable, but if it was unobservable, we wouldn't observe anything, you know? So the unity of the difference of system in the sense of observance and environment of the system in the sense of not observing or the unobservability, the unity is always system. We can't we can't observe the unobservable. Whatever we observe is observance, period. So the unfunctionality of nature is something very functional. That is the utilitarian perspective. And from this unity of the difference theorem side, I totally agree with that. We all love unexplored nature. We all love national parks where nature can do its thing without us interfering. And we love to explore these landscapes, we love to study them and just enjoy them for their sheer wild beauty. But if we do not understand that all that which we value so much, which we study, which we love so much for its wild beauty is only there because there are spaces and areas that we never touch, that we never explore, that we don't even observe, that are maybe even unobservable to us, that are completely indifferent for us and to us, and therefore completely unfunctional and unobserved, I would even say unobservable in its wild autopoiesis. Okay? If we do not understand that all that which we value so much, which we study, which we love for its wild beauty, is only there because there are spaces and areas that we never touch, that we never explore, that are completely indifferent to us and for us, and therefore completely unfunctional and unobserved, and I would also say unobservable, in its wild autopoiesis. And what the fuck does autopoiesis mean? We come to that in a moment. So if we only protect what we can observe as the so-called unfunctionality of nature, we completely ignore that whatever we observe from nature is just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. 
And that the whole complexity of this truly unobservable, unfunctional, unmarked, wild, and towards this completely indifferent whole is actually the necessary precondition for not just our culture, but also for what we can observe as this so-called tip of the iceberg of nature that we might call the functional unfunctionality of nature that ultimately is culture, I would argue. What I'm trying to say here is if we just contemplate the tip of the iceberg, we don't know shit about icebergs. We can see the tip of it, but if we don't understand that there is so much more underneath that we can't see, we will follow the destiny of the Titanic. There is a reason why in national parks there are different zones, and the core zone of it all is a zone where humans do not interfere at all, because it is the necessary precondition of its autopoiesis. And what does autopoiesis mean? It is a phrase coined by Huberto Maturana. Autopoiesis is the ability of the system to create and recreate itself in a constant process of emergent self-organization. The ability of a system to create and recreate itself in a constant process of emergent self-organization. What I'm trying to say here is that we as human beings are cultural beings. We are an emergence out of nature that used to be not just unfunctional for us, but completely indifferent and from our perspective, even hostile towards us. Nature never cared about us. We as an autopoetic emergence out of nature, cultivated nature, and by doing so, created our culture in a process of emergent self-organization. So nature, as indifferent and unfunctional and even hostile as it was for us and towards us in the beginning of our emergence as cultural beings, has always been our greatest obstacle as emerging cultural beings. But at the same time, nature has always been the necessary precondition of our emergence as cultural beings as well. So not just obstacle, but also necessary precondition for our emergence as cultural beings out of nature. And I would argue it is wise not to ignore that. Sure, we want and need to cultivate nature. This is our success strategy. But I think we are at a point where we could actually, where we are actually capable of cultivating the whole of nature. So I think it's about time we understand the other side of this equation, namely the fact that if we succeed too much in our effort to cultivate nature, we are in the process of destroying the necessary precondition of our existence. So if humanity wants to evolve further in connection with nature, we should make sure that there is actual nature left that could actually irritate us enough to keep the autopoetic evolutionary process that brought us here alive and operational. 
and therefore we need the real unfunctional, indifferent and wild nature. All of it, not just the bits and pieces that we observe as functional in its so-called unfunctionality, but all of it. The whole untamed beast of nature that is our indifferent mother. That's why I think we should give nature much more truly unfunctional, unobserved space. Not just for us, but also out of responsibility for other emerging species on this planet. Otherwise, we will fundamentally change what we are and are becoming. I think we should be aware of this threshold moment in our evolution. Otherwise, we would blindly change the ultimate necessary precondition of our future evolution. What if there is no more nature? What if we functionalized and cultivated all of nature? What then? Well, then we are still in duality. Now, it's, it's, in duality, it's always two sides, one coin, you know? You need two sides in duality. You, you can't change that. And if you functionalize, if we as human beings functionalize nature completely, if there's no truly unfunctional, indifferent nature left, another side will take the place of nature because it's duality. But if we operate then with, let's say, the difference of culture and technology instead of culture and nature, we change the fundamentals of our existence. That is a big decision, and I think we should at least be aware of it. That's all I'm saying. And I think that's pretty applicable for assistance to your concept for nature protection. <laughs>